Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant. Thank you so much for tuning in. But most importantly, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your financial support of this podcast, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Um, can't wait to get to Pastor Tim Thompson uh, again today. We didn't get through his book last time. His book is called Awake, America's Final Great Awakening, and uh, we're going to catch up on a lot of things. But there's some business to take care of first, including a disappointing article that came out. Not an article, just a news story. Governor Evers, I mean Emperor Evers in Wisconsin, just vetoed some pro-life bills. And one of those bills, here's what he did, understand. He vetoed a bill that would require medical care for babies who survive an abortion. So if it is not murder... When you kill a baby inside a mother's womb, once they are outside the womb and you do not want to give them medical attention, you just let them die, let them cry in pain and let them die. This is some of the most, it's really one of the most heartless moves someone that who is pro-choice, pro-death can make. And this is one of the policies that the left, the Democrats are pushing, but again, Governor Tony Evers, in his own words, quote, I just vetoed five bills that would restrict access to, quote, reproductive health care in Wisconsin. Um, you know what? I'm going to bring in the, our guest right now instead of going over a couple other headlines. I want to get his take on this, but I want to reintroduce him to you. Pastor Tim Thompson is an author and pastor of 412 Church Murrieta in California and president of Our Watch. And uh, he's a preacher, teacher of eschatology, and a leader in engaging the church in the political arena by dealing with sensitive issues to have a positive impact on our culture for Christ. Pastor Tim, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, glad to be with you. Hey, uh, we just recently, a couple days ago, talked about this story, the Supreme Court case, and we quoted Luke chapter 1, when the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Um, and so, so it shows that God says that's a baby, that's a human life. And right. so many other scriptures we shared, but I want to get your take on the news you just heard. Uh, Evers is not alone. There are many governors, Democrat governors, who are pro-death that would kill a baby, and, and if they survive an abortion, make sure they die. This is heartless, and I just want to get your response to what's happening, not only with some of these cases, the policies, but the Supreme Court case. Well, you know, it's it's just showing the the signs of the times that we're living in, where where people do not regard the things of God. Of course, life is one of those, mm-hmm. and at every turn, we're rejecting Him. So it's it really breaks my heart to know that that's something that's taken place in America. I, I just can't believe that mm-hmm. we would have people who are so blatant about their their disdain for life. So. Pastor Tim, um, I've shared my thoughts on this a lot, and people need to hear your voice. Um, why do you think uh, Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973 by you know, a handful of black-robed progressives? Um, since then, we know what happens in a mother's womb. There is now, thanks to ultrasound, sonograms, and the, the testing, they know that a baby feels pain at a certain point, and 15 weeks, you know, they know that when the, when the heart starts beating, we know it's a human life. No, no question about it, and we believe life begins at conception. So, 1973, here we are in 2021, why hasn't the church, or those who would support life in the womb, why haven't we resisted this well before this court case? Well, I, I believe the answer to that is in the pulpits. And, you know, we, we take a look at what's going on in America, and ever since the passing of the Johnson Amendment, you've had pastors hide behind that amendment and say, well, I'm not allowed to 
to engage in politics, mm-hmm. which really is not true, um, especially when it comes to issues. You know, the, the Johnson Amendment says that you can't, uh, that a pastor or a church cannot endorse a candidate from the pulpit, but it doesn't say you can't engage in the issues. Unfortunately, a lot of pastors have used that as a way to, you know, say, well, I'm not going to engage in politics. They've also, you know, not understood uh, separation of church and state. The whole idea of that is not that the church is supposed to stay out of what's going on in politics. It's the other way around. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. You brought it up, the Johnson Amendment. A lot of people don't know about that, and there are some pastors that are listening right now that may not even be aware of what happened and why. Well, Lyndon B. Johnson was a progressive, and he was running for the Senate in Texas, and this massive tax code overhaul bill was being debated on the Senate floor, and at the time he was running for re-election, some anti-communist groups and conservative groups were speaking out against him in churches, and he said, how can I shut them up? Those are my words. And so what he did to censor them is he slipped in what's called the Johnson Amendment in this massive tax code overhaul bill. So no one had the time. There was no legislative review of this Johnson Amendment. We slipped it in. What it did was it told people, well, now churches can't be involved in politics. But that's, as you said, Pastor Tim, that's a lie. So people have to understand where that started, the effect it had on pastors and church leaders across America self-censoring And now this brings up another topic, and I wasn't planning on going here, but you brought it up, Pastor Tim. You brought up the Johnson Amendment. So the 501c3, some pastors are simply afraid that if they were to speak up and say, wait a minute, we are a pro-life congregation, because God and the Bible, Scripture, throughout Scripture, it's pro-life, they're afraid that their 501c3 status would be revoked, although that's never happened, to my knowledge, in the history of our nation because of a pastor speaking about, quote, politics. Your thoughts? Well, you know, you, you look at what the 501c3 is. What this does is it allows uh, a church congregation to receive donations, tithes, offerings, and allow the person who gives that donation uh, the ability to write that off on their taxes. So if we lose a 501c3, let's say I, I was to lose my 501c3, um, all that means is that anybody that donates to the church they can't write it off. Yep. Well, I've always told my congregation this. Look, if you're if you're giving to the church, you're giving to the work of the Lord to receive a tax write-off, you're giving for the wrong reason. Mm. So I've always said, you know what, if we lose our 501c3, fine, so be it. I really don't care. It doesn't prohibit you from continuing to operate as a church. So that that's the main thing right there. Um, another thing is I, I've challenged it on every turn, and the reason I've challenged it is because you look at people like Jesse Jackson— Look at people like Al Sharpton. That's right. These are people with 501c3s, <laughs> and yet they're very engaged in politics. Nobody's going after them, so why shouldn't we go out and push the envelope as well? You know what, Pastor Tim? I'll take it a step further. We know, I know, since the election of Barack Obama, we know there were leftist, progressive, social justice churches that were endorsing Barack Obama from the pulpit. And that was right. in, I think, 2008. If church—I mean, there are some churches, like I think of, um, oh gosh, Texas. Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, ma- major pastor in Texas. I was on Fox News. He was a big Trump fan. But there are some churches on the right who would not necessarily endorse a uh, Republican candidate, but at least they spoke encouraging their congregations to you know vote biblically and mention the candidate but on the left they've been doing this for decades and no one's shutting them down so there is a double standard here do you see that as well oh yeah for sure but the thing is if with that double standard if it were ever to make its way into the courts there'd be a huge leg to stand on because of them allowing so many other left you know left-leaning I I hate to use the term pastors, but left-leaning religious leaders, you know? (laughs) Yes. Um, It's real. I think it'd be a great case to take to the Supreme Court and see what they they do with it, especially with the Supreme Court we have right now. Mm -hmm. It will be interesting. And and I think we've been kind of awakened in a way to the fact that we can't assume, because we think the court leans conservative right now, 
Um, there have been a couple decisions they've made in the last uh, six months or whatever. That A few of them, you kind of go, okay, I was scratching my head because I, I thought they would have right. voted the other way. But Pastor Tim, your book, and let's get back into it. Well, wait a minute. Before we go there, um, for those of you that missed Pastor Tim's previous podcast with us, we talked about the first half of his book, Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. We're going to get into the second half in a minute. But um, I do want to ask you about the event. You were just out of town, and you were rubbing elbows with Charlie Kirk and President Trump, and so to speak. Anyway, tell us about your little break, your, your travels, and uh, uh, the event that just took place. Yeah, uh, Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA, um, he had an event at Mar-a-Lago, which is the place the president, former President Trump currently resides. And um, it, it was just a, a blast to be there. You know, a lot of uh, strong patriots, a lot of people who want to see righteousness prevail. And uh, Charlie had a, a big fundraising event of a, a Turning Point Gala there. And it was, it was pretty amazing to see so many people who really, truly believe that we can turn America around, that really believe that we're seeing a final great awakening here in America. So a lot of people that were standing for truth. And mm. it, it really was uh, one of those events where when you walk away from it, you, you feel kind of revived, like, okay, God's not done. God's still working. God's moving. And President Trump came out and spoke, and, and he had a lot of good things to say because there's a lot of really amazing things that are coming down the pipe. Mm. Well, um, I'm sure it was encouraging for you to be there as a pastor. And how does your congregation generally view um, your personal participation in politics or your church's views? I'm sure you've had um, maybe some debates or some things, forums, or um, you've, you've talked about registering people to vote or other things, you know, when it comes, and people would say, well, that's politics. How does your church, 412 Marietta in, in California, how do they view that? Well, we look at it this way. Um, a lot of these issues that people talk about politics, they oh, that's a political issue. They're really not political issues. They're actually biblical moral issues. Mm -hmm. You Amen. look at issues like the border, especially where our church is. We're just an hour away from the southern border. And, you know, you can imagine just being an hour away, we've got a lot of repercussions from the open border crisis that we have right now. So people say, well, that's that's politics. Don't engage in that. Well, not politics. Act 17 says that God from one blood created all the, the different ethnic groups, and then God is the one that determined the borders of their inhabitants. In other words, God's the one that set up that border. So it's a it's a biblical issue. Um, excuse me. It's sure. a biblical issue. So we engage in it because it's a biblical issue. We, we look at the issue of life, like you opened up this uh, segment with, you know, life is a very important issue. That's not a politics, you know, it's not an issue of politics, it's an issue of biblical moral values. You know, you look at um, marriage, you look at sexuality, you look at gender, you look at all of these issues, these are not politics. And, and so I try to get people to understand that I'm not engaging in politics, I'm engaging in the Bible, I'm mm -hmm. engaging in the things God told me to be the salt and the light for. Mm, amen. Um, so let's jump into your book, Pastor Tim. And I have bookmarkers all over the place here, but uh, we touched on a few of these ideas last time, but there's one thing that I want to start with on page 76. Um, and this is—I I just love—I want to, again, encourage people to get your book because Christmas is coming up, and there are Christians in this nation, true believers in Christ, who are walking the talk, who need to read this book. And this is in, in chapter 3, What Woke Up the Church, and— it says, we allow sin to become commonplace, and I want to go back to Judges. This is a fascinating portion of Scripture, and there is actually a, a, a verse that's some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. Right after the elders and the people were following Joshua wholeheartedly, they were obeying the Lord, they recognized what God had done for Israel, and then a generation passed, and then it comes at Judges 2.10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. And this is sad, but there's such a parallel, I believe, Pastor Tim, to what's happening in America. 
in a generation that doesn't know the Lord. Uh, I'd love for you to share your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I, I was raised in a very patriotic home, and I actually raised my children up in a very patriotic home, and my kids are old, and now I'm looking forward to grandkids. <laughs> and I've watched as I've seen this next generation come up and, and be raised in our public school system, raised in the, the university system. I, I've watched how all the things that my age group knew to be true about America, that this mm. is the land of the free, the home of the brave. This is the the country that people were looking for, a place where they could openly worship the Lord Jesus Christ how they wanted to and not let the government tell them how to do that, that this was this place that was the bastion of freedom, that God did some incredible things to ensure that it existed. I, I watched my generation pass on to the next generation a whole different story. Yes, yes. And they've forgotten all that God did to make America great. Mm. They've forgotten what, what sacrifice it took to ensure that we have the freedoms we have today. And it, it really is much like Israel, that there, yeah. you know, there was this generation that forgot all the things the Lord did for them. Amen. And it, it, to, to me, the thing that was weird is how quickly that happened. Yep. And that's what we're seeing now. I mean, we're, we're seeing that. And by the way, um, you mentioned earlier, and I agree with you, that one of the reasons we have not been stronger or more uh, resistant to the, uh, the culture of death that we're seeing from abortion to euthanasia, just to the devaluing of human life, is the pulpits. That's where it starts. In churches who are supposed to be standing for the truth of Christ, the gospel, God's word, life in the womb, all these moral issues. But now here's something interesting that I think you brought up an excellent point. Now it's on the parents. Because whose responsibility is it to educate your children? Pastor Tim, go ahead. Well, it's definitely, biblically, it's it's ours as parents. It's our job to educate them. And we've abdicated, and I say we, I'm talking about parents in general here in America, have abdicated that responsibility. We've given it over to the public school system. I don't even call it the public school system now. I, I just call it the government-ran school system. That's right. And, you know, when you whenever you relinquish your responsibilities and you allow somebody else to take that on, what, what's going to happen is they're going to educate their way, not God's way, and you're going to end up with a generation that's forgotten everything the Lord has done. It's weird because people people say, I don't know what happened to my kid. What do you mean? Well, you know, they just they they just don't think they don't think the way I think. They don't they don't believe the things I believe. I don't know what happened. It's like, well, eight hours a day of them being in a government ran school, ten hours a day of them being asleep. Six hours a day of them being on their phones. <laughs> where were you? Hmm. You know what? What time frame of the day did you have to pour into their life? And then they'll come to the church and and go, well, the church isn't teaching them right. Well, the church has them, you know, one maybe two hours a week. Yes. You know, the question always goes back to parent: What are you teaching your children? How much time are you spending with them? Hmm. And I agree with you, Pastor Tim. We have, in general, in general, there's some wonderful, strong uh, families out there who are discipling their kids. They're teaching them, bringing them up in the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ and the ways of God and His Word and the biblical worldviews being uh, cultivated. And they're taught why they believe what they believe. They're taught to be able to defend that. But there's too many who have relied on the church, dropping them off at church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, and what do they do during the week? And I think there's a lot of regret out there. And I think maybe we can talk to that when we come back. We have less than a minute. But I, I believe there's a lot of Christians who later in life, maybe after another decade or two, their kids are grown and maybe they veered off and uh, they really didn't realize how their foundations weren't solid. So they, right. they fell for other things. They fell away from the faith that the family had when they grew up. So maybe we can speak to that, Pastor Tim, because... A lot of people feel guilt, and I know that is not of God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we can talk a little bit about that. Plus, what you said earlier is fascinating. It, what's happening now, it is happening so fast. The attacks by the state on our liberties and the collapse of the nation morally, it is rapid, and we need to know how to deal with it. More with Pastor Tim Thompson when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Pastor Tim Thompson is an author and pastor of 412 Church Murrieta in California, also president of Our Watch. And Tim, how can people listen to your podcast? Uh, they can just uh, go to any of the uh, social medias. Um, all my handles are at Real Pastor Tim. Um, so right, right now we're not broadcasting on YouTube because we're in YouTube jail. <laughs> but we're on Rumble, Facebook, Instagram. Of course, they can go to the website rwatchnow.com, and all of our programs are there. So I want to wrap up this thought on education and parents' responsibility before we move on to some other topics that are in your book. Um, could you please give some advice to Christian parents who, for example, maybe a lot of them, their kids are out of the house now, maybe they fell away from God. Um, could you, and they're, maybe they're feeling guilty, I should have done this, I should have done that. What's the perspective that they should have now, obviously to pray for their kids, but Pastor Tim, what would be your, your advice to them? You know, the thing is, there's still breath in their lungs. And I want them to always remember that because I talk to people who they feel defeated and they feel guilty and Mm. I should have done this, I should have done that. And, you know, it's not a question of what you should have done. It's a question of what you can do. You know, you still have breath in your lungs. That means God's not done with you yet. (laughs) And, And take that perspective. God's not done with me. There's still something I can do and do it. You know, the the thing is, I think a lot of people think, well, there's nothing I can do now, and nothing could be further from the truth. That's the lie the enemy wants you to buy, mm-hmm. you know, to buy into. Um, so just continue to be that, that source of stability and truth for your kids. And, you know, pray like you said, pray for them, and just know that God will open those doors of opportunity for you to speak into their lives. Thank you. Um, on page 104 of your book, um, we're, we're talking about expectations here and what to do when your expectations are not met. There's a lot of people, Pastor Tim, that are still, I wouldn't say reeling, but they're disheartened or disappointed about the election last year and what happened and um, what they believe was massive uh, voter fraud uh, on a on a scale we hadn't seen before, although we know it happens every election pretty much, especially the national ones. But you write in the book about expectations, and um, you say global elites rule here on earth, just like the Bible said. It's the revived Roman Empire, and Jesus is going to come and tear it all down. We start, and I'm reading from page 104 on Pastor Tim's book, Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. And you say we start to become more aware of this when we rid ourselves of our own personal expectations. I don't know about you, but throughout the entire year of 2020, I had a whole lot of expectations. I fully expected Hillary Clinton to go to jail. I fully expected Hunter Biden to be arrested. I fully expected Donald Trump to completely drain the swamp, ridding our government of the pedophiles who have entrenched themselves in positions of power. I expected members of the occult in our own government to be purged. I expected those things and many others in 2020, and they didn't happen. When we have our own personal expectations and they're not being fulfilled, we find ourselves so fixed on them. Are you listening, friends? We don't see all the other things God is doing. As we rid ourselves of our personal expectations, God begins to open our eyes. Please, Pastor Tim Thompson, uh, expound on that for us. You know, I, I was going through <laughs> going through 2020 <laughs> with those expectations, and God really had to open my eyes to what He actually was doing. And I've, I've said this from the pulpit, and I've watched the eyes of the people listening. I, I've watched them go, what are you talking about? At first, and then when I start to unpack it, they go, okay, I get it. I, I've said to, to people, 2020 was awesome. And I really <laughs> firmly believe that. 2020 was awesome. And it was awesome because everything I expected didn't happen. <laughs> but what I, didn't, what I didn't expect was the church to be awakened spiritually. Mm. You know, I, I, I expected all these other things, like you mentioned. Yeah, I wanted to see all those things happen, but I, I just didn't expect the spiritual awakening. And I'm so grateful for it. 
I'm so grateful to to be around people whose eyes are open, their ears are open, their understanding is increasing, their their desire for God's word is increasing, their desire for spiritual holiness is increasing. Mm. The the church is awake like it's never been awake in my life. Mm. You know, I've I've watched people who never would have darkened the doors of a church are at church now. Interesting. The the demographic that's that's increasing at our at, at our congregation, the demographic that's increasing are young families who are raising up kids that are saying, I don't want my kids to, to have to go through all these things. So we want true freedom. Where's that true freedom come from? And they're finding out it comes from Jesus Christ. So we're we're seeing this spiritual awakening like never before. Well, what would you say to people who say, wow, that's great, uh, Pastor Tim. I would love to be in Marietta, but it's not happening in my neck of the woods. Well, I, I think it is. Uh, and the reason I think it is is because I'm getting calls from states across the United States asking, do you know where a church is that's like yours? <laughs> so they, yeah. and the, the thing is, they just they want a church that's going to speak truth into their lives. They're mm. desiring it. They're thirsty for it. They they can't wait to find that. And you know, fortunately, there's a lot of churches that are that are po- popping up that are doing that. They're they're teaching that. So that the people are wanting it. It's happening. That spiritual awakening is taking place. They're wanting it. They just need to find the right church. And unfortunate, unfortunately, there are a lot of pastors that have been asleep at the wheel, and they're not waking up. But, you know, I've, I've said this, that I believe God's going to raise up a new generation of pastors. I hope so. Because, oh, I really hope so. Oh, Lord, but help I believe, us. And I believe so. What's that? I believe so. I believe he's, he's doing that. Well, the reason I say that, and we've, we've talked a lot about the decline of seminaries and the increase of teaching about how to build a church, grow a church, rather than how to guard against the truth of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scriptures, the seminaries have been, um, well, uh, less than uh, a, a blessing <laughs> to a lot of churches today. But let's go on. You you said this. You had no idea where I was going with the questions today from your book, Awake. And on, one, on page 167, you say, if the church is going to overcome evil with good, we need to be prepared to stop apologizing for speaking the truth. And you say, Pastor Tim, the radical left has figured something out about us Christians. All they have to do is call us names, and we apologize. In other words, we back down. They call us a name, and our immediate response is to say, oh, I'm sorry, Uh, uh, you're right. I shouldn't talk about that. I shouldn't say that. I'll be quiet. Sorry I offended you. And you say, we need to stop apologizing. So, Tim, how this is a message that I think we need to hear in churches across the country, or to believers Believers need to hear, please seek God's approval, not man's approval, and stop apologizing. Please uh, expound on that. Well, we need to be, as Christians, we need to be tellers of the truth. And that's going to be deemed not nice when we, when we do that. You look at, <laughs> and you look at what Jesus did, um, and I do talk about this in the book, that uh, Jesus wasn't nice. And a lot of people, what do you mean? What do you mean he's not nice? They said, well, think about it. Look, look at the woman at the well. He, he walks up to her, says, "Go get me your husband." She says, "I don't have one." He goes, "I know you don't. You've had five. <laughs> the man you're living with right now, you're not married to him." You know, imagine today a Christian spoke those words to a woman. A Christian man spoke those words to a woman who was in a situation like that, that man would be deemed a misogynistic bigot right away. Mm-hmm. And yet, if he did that in love, that woman's life could be radically changed. Mm. But people around them would go, well, how dare you say that? That's so offensive. Well, it might be offensive, but I love the person too much to let them continue in their lifestyle. There's mm. truth found in God's Word, that that person needs so they can find true freedom in Christ. Mm. That is so good, because we we have to speak as responsible, as ambassadors for Christ, and leave the results up to God. We probably won't see 
the, and here's where expectations come in again, right, Pastor Tim? We expect, you know, maybe a response or maybe someone to receive the truth or hear the gospel or correction. Oh, my goodness. But usually it's received in, in, in a defensive way, and that's not on us. We are simply sharing the truth, and we need to keep doing that, right? Right. Well, we, we have to because when you don't, you start to become— complacent with the sin that's around you. And when you do that, there, there's all sorts of issues. And and again, we, we have to be not afraid to offend people. You know, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul's talking to the church there at Corinth saying, you're boasting about how accepting of sexual sin you are. You're boasting about it, saying, look at how, ex- how open and accepting our, our church is. Well, how many churches are doing that today? Flying the LGBT flag mm-hmm. in front of their church, you know, advertising the inclusivity that yeah. they have at their church. They're they're boasting about it. And what did Paul say? You rather should have kicked that person out. Mm. And instead you're boasting about how much you've accepted it. That should not be for the church today. Unfortunately, it is. You've got a lot of churches that are, are just like that church at Corinth. And they need somebody like Paul to come along and say, you rather should have kicked that person out. Mm. Wow. Um, There's so many directions we could go there based off of what you just shared. But I want to remind people that uh, Pastor Tim's book is available. It's on Amazon. And is it also available on your church website, Tim? Um, It's just on our church website. It's a link to Amazon. Okay. So, again, the book is called Awake. I have it in my hand. Um, I highly recommend it, friends. And... I, I would say, as an author, I would like to say, Christian books make great Christmas gifts. <laughs> so, Awake, America's Final Great Awakening by Tim Thompson, and the foreword uh, done by Don Stewart. Um, by the way, has he had some health issues recently, Don? He, he has. I just talked to him last night. Um, if everybody could be praying for him, he just had a surgery, mm. and he's doing well, and he said he knows God's not done with him, and I say amen to that, yeah. because that, that man is uh, such an inspiration to so many who are seeking the truth. What a ministry. So yes, p- please pray for Don Stewart. Um, so Tim, let's go to this next uh, section which really talks about what's happening today with the attacks on our religious freedoms and what many of us have called government or medical tyranny. Medical tyranny. You said on page 169 of your book, this goes back to last year, but it's important how we see how other churches handled the, quote, crisis. You say, because I kept church doors open during the COVID-19 crisis, people wrote to the church saying I'm a murderer. Uh, let's just stop right there for a minute. We started off this podcast by saying a Democrat progressive governor in Wisconsin just vetoed a policy, a bill in Wisconsin that would have allowed protections for a baby that is outside of a mother's womb who survived an abortion that is living, breathing, its heart's beating, it's probably crying in pain. But he vetoed a bill that would have allowed nurses or caregivers to help that baby. And you're calling Pastor Tim and other church leaders who kept their churches open a murderer? Oh, I would love to get more of your thoughts on that and what you went through at that time, Tim, if you could condense that for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. It was pretty surprising to hear those words. I've been called a lot of things as a Christian. Uh, never has I have I been called a murderer until now. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things where I had to embrace what the Lord said when He said, um, "Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all manner of wickedness against you falsely mm. for My name's sake." Because um, truly, that that was a uh, false statement. So. I just had to embrace that, but it, it really was surprising to see that that was the position that so many people took, yep. was that we're, be, you know, because we're open, we're murderers. Um, you know, we, we stayed open as an act of love for those people who needed to be around other believers, which yep. is every believer. <laughs> you know, that we, we need that, that time to sharpen one another, spur one another on towards mm-hmm. love and good works. You know, we, we had to do that. And so we did. And I really, I had to just uh, put blinders on to what those people were saying and understand, I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. 
Mm. And thank you for doing that. I believe God, you know, I mean, it, it, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And at a time when fear was driving a lot of the hysteria, thank you, mainstream, progressive, socialist, Marxist media in America, but fear was driving this, and it affects Christians too. We're human, we're in this world, but not of it. And so we hear what the media is trumpeting, and then comes the virtue signaling of well-meaning, I would say that, I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt, Tim, well-meaning Christians who are virtue signaling. Hey, you wear your mask. The government said, wear your mask. Government said social distance. The government said, you better get the vaccine. But remember last Christmas, you're in California. Um, Emperor Newsom there had rules for people's personal, private homes for Christmas gatherings. Uh, Where do we draw the line on some of this, Tim? Because it is affecting not only our churches, but our homes as well. Well, when we look at churches and homes, these are both places that God has much to speak about. You know, God has a certain order that he's placed on the church and a certain order he's placed on the home. And, you know, within the the church and within the home, uh, you know, look at the home. Who's, Who's the one that's in charge in the home? the husband, the father, right? It's the father that gets to determine what takes place in his home. That's biblical. It's not the government that gets to determine what gets what takes place in my home. Um, just like we've taken that same stance, it's not the governor who gets to determine what t- takes place inside the church. Hmm. That's why we have separation of church and state. Yes. That's what we what we ran from when we ran from 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 Britain, you know, was was this tyranny and these rules that were being placed on the church that we said, no, no more. You don't get to tell the church what to do. So that's biblical. We can't allow the church to, to be told what to do by the government. We, same thing within our own homes. You know, if, if, a, if a husband, uh, if a father has determined that, you know, that they're going to do certain things within their home, well, then so be it. Um, some of these rules are very silly and you, you very draconian and... For, for me, it's like there's no way. There's no way that those things are going to be enforced. They they wanted us to, you know, write down everybody's name so they could contact trace my family members and stuff. It's like, no, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. And more than that, they were having restrictions on how many people could gather, how long your Christmas gathering could be, what kind of food, and that you had to the the prep. A person that was preparing the food had to wear gloves, and, and if someone and they wanted you to meet outside. There's so, so many different things, but that was in California. Um, when we come back with Pastor Tim Thompson, chapter eight in his book, Overcoming Evil with Good. How? Well, one way is to challenge spiritual leaders. Why would we need to challenge spiritual leaders? We'll talk about that in just a minute. Plus, I'll get his reaction to a quote from another pastor we've had on the podcast about what's happening and how to resist or not conform. Coming up next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Pastor Tim Thompson is our guest today. The book is called Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. Highly recommend it, and it's available on Amazon. Um, Another guest we have on from time to time is Pastor Matt Truella, Missionaries to the Preborn and uh, Mercy Seat Christian Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, he said Christian resistance involves and demands three things, repentance, fighting, and building. And I do not mean these in that particular order, but they are intermixed. He said the attacks by the state upon our liberties are so pervasive and the collapse of this nation so rapid that it's difficult for people to know what to focus on or what to do. And he said, you must fight the tyrants in the immediate. You must stand resolute in your individual noncompliance, and you must speak to others in your sphere of influence. And then he finally said, understand, this is not a one-time deal. Regardless of what they tell you, when you get the shot, meaning the vaccine, all does not go back to normal. Uh, Pastor Tim Thompson, I'd love to sh- hear your thoughts about that. Well, you know, I love what he did. St- he said there's no particular order, but I love that he started with repentance. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love it, we, we look at biblically, look at uh, the Babylonian captivity, we look at Daniel, and Daniel prayed to the Lord, and what did Daniel do? He repented. Mm. 
and Daniel was a righteous man, but he included himself in that. He said, we have sinned against you. And that was key to knowing when when uh, the Israelites were going to be uh, let out of captivity. We need to repent. We, we need to start with ourselves first. And if we don't start with ourselves first, how dare us try to go, you know, help the rest of the group, you know? We need to start with, with ourselves. And that's biblical as well. We, we look at uh, Paul, and we, we, he did his missionary journeys all over the Mediterranean. Where did he go? First. He went first to God's people, mm-hmm. went first to the synagogues, and shared with them and reasoned with them first. So we need to deal with ourselves first. If yes. we don't do that, uh, if we can't see the error of our own ways, it's going to be very difficult for us to try to get out and affect change in the rest of the culture. So I love that he started with that. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was such a good point that, boy, we are kind of— I mean, some people are kind of thinking, well, if I just comply and submit and do whatever the government tells me to, it's painful now, but we'll get back to normal eventually. And I think that is just so naive. What do you think, Pastor Tim? Well, look at the last two years, and <laughs> yeah. you know how could we say that? Oh, it'll get back to normal. We were told two weeks to slow the spread, and then we'll get back to normal. That didn't happen. Yeah. You know, wear masks. You know, and then uh, once we get the shot, then you don't have to wear the mask. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. You know, you you just follow the history and and study the history and and understand that um, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it. Amen. Amen. Edmund Burke said that. Yeah. Um. I want to jump back to your book now, and I thank you, Pastor Tim, for writing chapters 8 and 9. Chapter 8 is Overcoming Evil with Good by Challenging Spiritual Leaders. Chapter 9 is Overcoming Evil with Good by Holding Government Officials Accountable. So let's start with the church first, Pastor Tim. We have not been good at approaching our pastors And some people, when they do approach them, it's in a very disrespectful way. So that's not good either, to to be overly critical and then leave the church if the pastor doesn't give in and do what you want. No, it's not like that. But share your thoughts on first on Chapter 8, and then we can transition to uh, holding government officials accountable. Well, you know, I'm a person who had to be challenged, and I, I was actually challenged by the Lord, and I'll tell you this, if, if people would be willing to challenge their pastors mm. now, yes. it's much easier than letting your pastor wait until the Lord has to challenge them. Ooh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more difficult at that point. So I, about 10 years ago, I was in the office of a man named Ken Calvert in Washington, D.C., and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he did. And sitting in his office, he asked me, knowing that I'm a pastor, he says, do you have any questions for me? And quite frankly, I wanted to ask him, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Um, What I didn't know, and I didn't ask him that, uh, I I forget what I even asked him, but um, what I found out was this man wasn't Ken Calvert, he was Congressman Ken Calvert, and he was the congressman that represented the district in which I live. Hmm. And you can imagine how embarrassing it was for me to sit in this man's office and not even know who he was. Wow. Knowing that God has told me, and I have preached, that we are to pray for all those who are in authority, that we can live quiet and peaceable lives unto the Lord. And how many pastors have prayed prayers like, Lord, we pray for the president, give him wisdom, and help him to lead us rightly. I mean, that's a, a weak generic, pathetic excuse for a prayer, mm. and I'm guilty of it. And this is what I want any of your, your listeners that are pastors to know, is that I'm guilty of it. Mm. And So I'm not here trying to pontificate and make you feel bad if, if, if you don't know the answer to this next question, but because I was there, um, mm. just understand, I want you to be able to, to go out and, and change your ministry a little bit. And, and here's the question. What is the name of the five school board members in the school board that is there in your community? What are their prayer requests? What are their struggles? What are the decisions coming up that they have to make that are going to affect the curriculums that the children in your congregation are going to be exposed to? What are those curriculums? Which ones should they choose? You know, these are questions that you should know the answers to. If you're going to be able to rightly pray for all who are in authority, that you can live 
quiet and peaceable lives. When school districts are teaching kids critical race theory, and they're teaching children all manner of sexual perversion, mm-hmm. and they're teaching kids that parents are a barrier to their sexual happiness, and they're teaching kids that they can choose an infinite number of genders, that's not, to me, a peaceable life. Mm. That is a life of turmoil and chaos. So what are the names of those five people that Mm. make those decisions? And if you don't know their names, there's a problem. Mm. So... (laughs) What can people do if they feel like at this point, well, it's so far gone, Pastor Tim. Um, I mean, just look at the—we the, really believe that the government school system has been hijacked. A hundred years in the making, and now here we are, but yet too many Christian parents continue to send their kids to these schools and, you know, seven hours a day, and you do the math. Um, and then they're sa- thinking now, Tim, well, well, what can I do now? They're already— teaching all this, from the hyper-sexualized education to uh, the lies about America re-editing or changing, quote, American history, to now uh, critical race theory. What, what would you tell them now, thinking, well, what, what can we possibly do at this point? Well, what you do, in, in my opinion, uh, first and foremost, is just pull your kids out of the government-ran schools. <laughs> step one. <laughs> step one. Uh, there's just knowing knowing that they are teaching all those things. How can you allow your kids to be exposed to that? You know, um, that's number one. But step number two is, in my opinion, is change the school boards. Hmm. If if you've got men or women in your school board that are saying yes to these things or or just allowing it and not speaking up against it, then you've got the wrong people there. You know, and, and there's a lot of people that fly what I do, what I call fly the banner of Christianity. Well, then you need to challenge them. I think that's where you, you get into that next chapter is challenging the elected officials. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, for me, it's it's especially the ones that fly the banner of Christianity. If they say I'm a Christian and they're in public office, well, then hold them accountable to their professed Christianity. Hold them accountable to their beliefs. Hmm. And you touched uh, that. That seems like a simple thing. Yes, and and you touched a little bit on chapter ten in your book, which is developing a new approach, and that starts with speaking truth into the lives of others, challenging spiritual leaders, and then holding government officials accountable. Um, Pastor Tim, we've got uh, six minutes left, or less—five minutes, six minutes—and I wanted to talk a little bit, obviously, about Christmas because we are in the season. Um, and I know you've got a lot of programs and plans and things going on at your church, like most pastors, most churches do. But you said something that's very important, I believe, and something we often overlook when it comes to their, the spiritual warfare surrounding the birth of Christ, which led to his life, death, burial, resurrection, and he is Jesus' is Lord, right? But you said this. I believe this was from one of your sermons. You said, we have forgotten what Christmas is about but Satan has not. Please continue and, and just share your thoughts on that. Well, over the last two years, I, I think people are realizing that we forgot what church was about. <laughs> Amen. And we realize Satan did not. Mm-hmm. You know, church is, a, is we, we assemble ourselves together and spur one another on towards love and good works. Well, Satan knows the power of the body of Christ coming together. He knows it, which is why he doesn't want us together. Hmm. And I and people are waking up to that. Well, that that same thought. You look at uh, you know Christmas. We've forgotten what Christmas is all about. Well, Satan has not. Satan knows what happens when people celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world. Hmm. He knows what happens. You know when people come together and and exchange gifts and remember the gift that we have in Christ and and we show love towards one another and have that that common bond of Christianity. He knows what happens when we sing things like joy to the world, and we sing things like, mm. oh, holy night. What a holy night it was Yes, when the Savior came into this world. When, when we remember these things, which is a good thing to remember, we're, we're spurred on even more in our love towards God and love towards fellow man. Satan does not want that, and so he's doing everything he can to distract us at every level, distract us from the true meaning of Christmas, uh, distract us from even getting together and celebrating and, and enjoying that time together with family. He's, he's, and we have to remember, it is a spiritual battle we are in. We Amen. wrestle not against 
flesh and blood. This is spiritual. We can't ever forget that. And Jesus did accomplish what the Lord God sent him to do. Um, but around Christmas time, we often think about Isaiah 9, 6, and that's a very familiar verse for, to us a child will be born, a son will be given to us. But verse 7 is fascinating. And in the last couple of minutes, Pastor Tim, just share your thoughts on uh, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And then it says the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Pastor Tim, wrap that up. Think about the the great statue in, in uh, Daniel chapter 2 and the, the governments of man, starting from Babylon to the Medo-Persians to the Greeks to the Romans to the revived Roman Empire. Mm. There's going to come that rock, Christ, that's going to just tear all of that down. All the governments of man are going to come tumbling down. The kingdom of God is going to be established. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth, just as it's being done in heaven. And when that comes, the governments of man are going to be over. The earth is going to be fundamentally changed. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, and there will be peace on earth because the Prince of Peace will be here. And I cannot wait for that. Amen. And that is that is the hope that we have, and, and we can't ever forget it. No matter what happens, all these distractions in the world, we can't ever let anything distract us from that truth, and that is that Jesus is going to establish his throne here on earth, and it's going to be incredible. Mm. Uh, we celebrate Christmas because it's true, not because it's just something fun and, and it has nothing to do with Santa. And uh, I, I just want, have been reminding people, Pastor Tim, to say Merry Christmas. I mean, it sounds little, and, and I'm not splitting hairs over words, but we have been programmed to say Happy Holidays. And I'm thinking, well, what, what, what holy day are you talking about? New Year's Eve, Halloween, Thanksgiving? No, Christmas. So just your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, we look at uh, what the left does, and the left likes to control the way people speak. <laughs> you know, we have to remember what this is about. And as you said, it is Christmas. Um, and, and some people may say, well, it's such a trivial thing to, to say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. Yep. And, and I say it's not trivial at all. Mm. It, it is in the utmost importance that we understand what this season is about. And if we, we allow the left to distract us or, or get us to, to speak a certain way, we have to remember this, that out of the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. So what's, what's stored up this season? Is it that we're celebrating Christmas or is it that it's just holidays and we're having fun? Mm. What is the abundance of your heart? Because from there, that your mouth is going to speak. And I, I'm going to speak. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas and God bless you, Pastor Tim Thompson. Your book, Awake, America's Final Great Awakening, available on Amazon. Thanks for your time, brother. Thank you. God bless. All right. God bless you. Tomorrow, Chad Davidson, Good Fight Ministries. Thursday, John Haller, uh, prophecy updates, of course, from Pastor John. Friday, Jay Warner Wallace. He's got a brand new book out, Person of Interest. So a loaded week this week. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And as always, Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.